So, yeah, um, you've heard a bit of my story, but exactly 20 years ago, pretty much exactly I worked out, I received the nudge. And in more spiritual terms, I would say I heard the call from God to move to China to help children in need and to share his love. Um, two individuals crossed my path um, and they invited me on a short-term team to China. Um, one of them was what my hairdresser and the other one was a colleague at work. They both invited me to go to ICC. When I, when I talked to the second one, I said, do you know Linda, my hairdresser? She's like, yeah, I do. <laughs> um, I was being set up, but I said, no, they were really easy to ignore, just two voices. And then I went to a ladies' camp and there was a prophetic word um, spoken over me there. And she said, missions work, disadvantaged children, hard times, but a very happy Kyla. And that's the story of my 20 years in China. The call was unmistakable. To cut a long story short, in response to the, these three messengers, I went on an ICC short-term team. I thought, there you go, God, I've done what you asked me to. I went on the team. But there my life was changed forever and my heart was broken open for these kids that I met and saw. And to cut a long story short, um, I've now been in China for 18 years. Um, what I want to share with you today is how hard times and happiness or suffering and joy can be woven together into our lives. They are not mutually exclusive. They go together. Likewise, Jesus and death and resurrection... His death and resurrection are inseparable. How can you have a re resurrection without death? Um, and without suffering, how do we know de what deep love, peace and joy is? And today I want to present that obedience, obedience to go into hard places of suffering, even creates the opportunity to allow us to realize and experience deep, deep happiness and joy. Let me say that again, that word. Missions work, disadvantaged children, hard times, but a very happy Kyla. I'm so glad that it was packaged up in four words that I could remember through my journey. Um, the song this morning, we will follow you. The words of that song, it was one line. I've never heard that song before. We will follow you through the dark and through the narrow. And so I chose to follow God and obey him through the dark and through the narrow. Um, let me say it, that word a different way, less specific to me. When you obey God and walk where he calls you, it will be hard, but you will know deep joy beyond measure. And let me say it yet another way. The results of our obedience is not smooth sailing. In fact, there will be difficulties, but woven through that will be joy and deep happiness as we have relationship and fellowship with God. And let me say it yet another way, because different people hear things different way. Going, being with, and experiencing the deep suffering, need, and pain of others takes us to a place of experiencing the riches of God in ways that we would otherwise never get to experience. I speak from my own experience. Let me start with the hard part. My time in China has not been easy. I'll be honest with you. In fact, at times it's been downright difficult. I've been sustained by God and I've been sustained by the call. And I've known joy 
beyond measure and happiness, but it's been hard. Um, I think of, of the gospel we're sometimes taught or we're sometimes presented in our generation. Oh, come to Jesus, come to God, and everything will be wonderful. Um, I don't think that's really that true, is it? Does God guarantee us smooth sailing if we obey him? Um, is everything going to be wonderful if we follow Jesus? Um, it's not what I read in the book of Job. <laughs> um, it's not what I read in the story of Jesus. Um, it's not what I read in the story of Paul. And it's not what I've experienced in my story. John 16:33, and I use the Passion Translation. I hope that's okay. You said something about the Passion Translation this morning, so I thought, good. Um, Jesus said, and everything I've taught you is so that peace, that the peace which is in me will be in you and will give you great confidence as you rest in me. For in this unbelieving world, you will experience trouble and sorrow, but you must be courageous for I have conquered the world. In this world, we will experience trouble and sorrow. We will. My heart is not for the most part, been the result of me not following God, quite right. Sometimes hard times in our lives can be due to sin or due to our own stupidity and making the wrong decisions. And I've been there too. I've experienced that too. But there's also the heart that comes part and parcel of following him. That doesn't sound like a message we preach at the altar call. <laughs> Good job we don't stop at that bit. Don't think for a minute that if everything isn't smooth sailing, you are not walking in his will. You may be right in the center of it. For in the world, we will experience trouble and sorrow. Why do we expect not to? Why do we question God when things go wrong? We're in this world. We will experience grief and suffering. As I mentioned, I've had hard times. Like in 2003, so I'd just been in China two years, I'd been studying language for two years. I came out of language school and I thought, great, I'm off now into my ministry. But I still didn't understand enough Chinese to function very well at work. That was hard. In 2006, when we went to Hanyang and we started the project, and there was like all of these children with so much need and a few staff. And every week, two new kids with like massive needs would come in and they would pass away before we could get around them and here I was the western are supposed to bring in western nursing and these children were just dying that was hard 2008 my local Chinese assistant who'd helped me in that project was helping me manage all the staff we'd employed by that point she resigned and left how was I going to manage all these staff in this different culture that was hard 2015, we'd built the new building and we'd moved in and we were exhausted. And there was conflict in our team. That was hard. Like, my, like when my friends left the field year on year on year and I felt lonely. Like when my dad got sick and was miles away on the other side of the world. Like when the government didn't understand what we were doing. And more and more children came in with more and more needs. And we saw children in, in, the, uh, in the government institutions that we didn't have room at the inn for. Those things were all so, so hard. Lots of hard 
that I would have never experienced if I stayed in Brisbane in my comfortable life. But all these hard things, they were actually nothing <laughs> on 2018. That was the year when the punches kept coming. And one day I said, I feel like one of those 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 punching things that kind of go down and then comes back up for another one and then it comes back down. And, and that's what I felt like in 2018. It was the year when the government policy had all changed. And we didn't know if ICC could continue. In fact, people in the government said, yeah, you'll have to close. All these kids will have to go back to the institution. It was the year when we couldn't find our way through the bureaucracy and we knew there probably was a way, but no one could tell us because no one had experience of it. And so we ran around like some days like headless chickens trying to find a way through this difficulty. It was the year when we faced the reality that children and young adults could return to the government institutions after being loved and cared for for years after flourishing and be returned to them, to those government institutions where no one knew their names and no one cared. It was hard. It was the year when I had to, as a leader, hold my head up and absorb chaos and uncertainty to keep everybody else calm, while inside I was falling apart. And it was the year when I didn't know if I would make it personally. It was the year I re regularly woke up in the night having panic attacks. It was confusing, it was out of control, and I was helpless. Anyway, you've got the picture. It was really, really hard. Back to the prophecy. Hard times, but a very happy Kyla. In the midst of all that hard, was I happy and could I be happy? To understand that question, the answer to that question, it might be good to explore what happiness actually is in my vocabulary. Because when I talk about happiness, I don't think about anything shallow or fleeting, like I went to a movie and I laughed. I talk about something deep in my soul that can't be easily lost or broken or taken away. I think back to that verse in John 16 where Jesus says, The peace which is in me will be in you and will give you great confidence as you rest in me. This was the happiness that I had. In China, the word that is translation to happiness most often is xingfu. And the first part, xing, is about fortune. And the second part, fu, is about blessing. And the wonderful thing about xingfu is that it's not shallow. It is about lifelong deep contentment and well-being. And it's such a popular word to use in Chinese culture. So in the midst of deep trial and pain, I have known this deep, blessed xingfu kind of happiness, this contentment and sense of well-being, this peace that runs deep and can't be removed or wavered by circumstances. And deep, deep joy has flowed through my time in China and flowed deeply through the suffering of last year. As 2018 started, I sought God for some words. This was before I knew what was going to unfold in that year. The three words that came to me were tell, dream and abide. At the start of most years, I say, what, what are the three words for this year or the four words for this year? I had no idea how those words would sustain me and how I would reflect back and see how those words were such a deep part of that year. Abiding. 
my happiness didn't flow out of circumstances. It, fl- fl- it came out of abiding. Abiding is one of those spiritual um, Bible words that we don't use much outside of church. I don't know if you've ever used that vocab out in your workplace, but it's something you hear in church, right? And for me, it's, sim- it's very simple. It's about staying close to Jesus. It's about resting in him. It's about waiting on him. It's about seeing God everywhere and everything. For me, that has come through his word. It's come through moments experienced with Jesus and through life in its fullness, lived in community with, the, with those who the world would consider weak and broken and through resting in confidence in God's goodness towards them and towards me. Psalm 27, verse 13 to 14 says, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. I think I mentioned I wanted last year, and I did a few times actually, um, to run around making all of these different contingencies. uh, Plan A, plan B, plan C. Um, plan Z. This is what we're going to do if that happens. This is what we're going to do if this happens. And I was, I was at times frantically running around making all of these different plans. But God's call to me through that season was to trust, to sit and to wait. And thankfully, I had a mature and wise leader who said, no, we're waiting. When I said, I need to make this plan Z, what do you think about this? No, <laughs> We're waiting. We're trusting. Um, I remained confident of, confident of this. I was encouraged to remain confident of this, that I would see the goodness of the Lord towards these kids. And I waited for God to change and my perspectives changed. Because happiness, peace and contentment is internal. And it's not dependent on what's going on around us. But at the same, it is completely dependent on the perspectives by which we view the things that are going on around us. In 2018, one experience of sustaining power during the waiting came through a messenger on, on a visiting short-term team. A young man of 16 years of age. You can be used when you're 12, when you're 5, when you're 16. And he came out on a short-term team. And this young man could dance. He was a very, very good dancer. And our team, our short-term team had been asked to bring some new dancers for our children's dance time. Um, Every morning, our our children and young people go down to the bottom of our building and they pump the music on through massive speakers and they all dance. But dance time needed a bit of a freshness. And so we'd ask the team, can you bring some dancers? And this guy was the dancer, so he bought a, a new song and a new dance. And... The song he chose, one of the songs he chose was a song, it was an, it's an American band called King and Country, for King and Country, and it was Choose Joy. And he bought this new dance and this new, board, new moves, and none of the kids could understand the words. But I, every morning I would hear this pumping out, this music, Oh, hear my prayer tonight. I'm singing to the sky. Give me strength to raise my voice. Let me testify. Oh, hear my prayer tonight. For this is do or die. And those, those, words, those words hit me then. This is do or die. The time has come to make a choice and I choose joy. And God spoke to me through that song. And every time it would come on in the morning, I would step out of my office 
and I would dance with the kids. Not every time, most times. <laughs> and I chose joy. And that was God's word to me through this 16-year-old young man. Um, and through that season, it was the anthem of my heart. I choose joy because it was do or die. Because otherwise, I was going to fall apart. And it wasn't positive thinking. It wasn't denial about what was going on because at the end of it, I would step back in the office and deal with the reality and the situation we were dealing with. But it was simply choosing to declare his goodness over our community, our organization and the children and a simple choice to live in joy regardless of what was happening. I don't know what's going on in your life today. Um, I don't know if it's difficult but if it is, I have one question for you. Are you choosing joy? Are you choosing worship? Are you choosing to declare his goodness? It isn't denial. It's, about ch it's not about changing the situation either. It's about changing our attitude to it. It's about helping us be sustained through it. Are you looking for the sunshine or are you just looking for the rain? Are you trusting and waiting for God to come through? From my experience, making a choice to rejoice, dance and sing in the rain and looking for the rainbow of hope is so incredibly sustaining because there is usually sunshine in a storm. And after the storm, the rain clears and even greater beauty is seen. In 2018, there was other sunshine in the storm and the blessings were watching children thrive under the love and care of ICC. In the summer of 2016, so a couple of years earlier, I was riding my battery-powered moped to work. Um, that's how we get around. And not far from the... I was a normal day at work, and I was heading off there, and not far from the welfare centre where we work, on this, where our building is with all of those children, on the side of the road there was a blanket, a bundle of blankets and items. And my heart sank because I knew what that meant. And I jumped off my bike and I looked in this bundle of blankets and sure enough, there was a little boy, um, just a little bit older than two years of age. He was silent. I picked him up. I could tell straight away that he had severe disabilities. I prayed for him. The welfare centre leaders came along. The police were called and I had to leave him there. And... At that time, there was no room in the inn at ICC. We were full. And so he went over to the government institution and was put in care there. My heart was deeply touched that morning and I prayed that one day he would come into the ICC family. And I used, there was no space though, so I, used, I went over and visited him sometimes and would see him. And he was, he was still being fed from a bottle over two years of age, just milk. And he was severely malnourished and he was having seizures every day and he was put in an area away from the other children to protect him and he was isolated. He had no therapy, he had no stimulation. And I kept praying that one day he would join our ICC family. And finally, in November 2017, Cho Cho was able to come over and join us. There was a space. And on arrival, he was pale, he was frail, he was thin, he was still only drinking from a bottle and we start and his caregivers came around him and they started the work of bringing him to health and wholeness in 2018 in the midst of icy storm, storm and my storm 
this young man thrived and grew. And we watched him change day by day by day. He learned to eat from a spoon so that he could receive proper nutrition. He enjoyed the music and the fun and the activities he each day he went to therapy he put on weight his seizures stabilized as he got medication and he enjoyed the love of his caregivers as he was nurtured in this family style care his little life changed and my prayers were answered and it gave me so much joy in the midst of my storm he was thriving in the midst of the storm as well after years of struggling to lead our Changsha projects New international staff with just the right skills turned up, taking the weight of pressure off me. Good things can happen in the storm. In the midst of the storm, we danced and we swam in the pool all summer and we nurtured children to life and we lived each moment and hope grew. All kind of just <laughs> sat there, the embers of hope, little by little. In the midst of the storm, um, towards the end of that year, that very hard year, a colleague came to me with a new vision. She was nervous about it. How on earth can I give you a new vision when we don't even know what's going to happen? And I remembered those three words in my diary, dream, tell and abide. This was the dreaming part, the, vi the vision part. Habakkuk 2, 3 says, For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It would, will not delay. So in the midst of it, we decided, let's keep dreaming. Let's keep this vision going. Tell me your plan. Was God God's still going to do something in this, even in this? And we took some steps to dream about the future. This colleague's vision was spectacular. She's from Singapore. Um, she's Chinese. Her name is Karen. And she said, why don't we start a social enterprise? The little ark, she called it, and train young people with disabilities to make coffee and popcorn and other food and mobile food trucks. Food vans are taking off in China. And what if we did this as a social enterprise for our young people with disabilities? And so we took this little vision to the government and we thought, I said, Karen, can you come in this meeting with me and just throw this vision at the government and see what, how they respond, see what happens. And so we went into this meeting and she presented this vision and they got it too. And they were really excited and they were like, when can we have our ark? When can we put our ark in the welfare centre? And everything started to change at that point overnight. Hope grew and joy grew and the little ark grew. And as we speak, they're opening it. It was 10 o'clock this morning. They were having the opening of the little ark in Changsha, the official opening. We dreamed, we hoped, we prayed for change. We, we waited. God moved. And that was how I remained in hope and danced a new happiness through the hardest year of my life. Through abiding, through waiting, through choosing joy and through dreaming of a new vision of life-transforming love. In the abiding and waiting, Jesus speaks to us, and in the midst of his word, he is there in the storm. Matthew 8, 23 tells the story of Jesus in the boat. You've probably heard it. They're all in the boat. There's a storm going off. Everything's going off. It's chaos. 
that was that was just like my year last year. <laughs> and they all got into the boat and began to cross over to the other side of the lake. And Jesus, exhausted, fell asleep. Suddenly, a violent storm developed with waves so high the boat was about to be swamped. Yes, Jesus continued. Yet Jesus continued to sleep soundly. The disciples woke him up saying, save us, Lord, we're going to die. But Jesus reprimanded them, why are you gripped with fear? Where is your faith? Then he stood up and rebuked the storm and he said, be still. And instantly it became perfectly calm. The disciples were astonished by the miracle and said to one another, who is this man? Even the winds and the waves obey him, his word. That sounds like that. I had this verse around April or May last year and I put it in my diary because that was about the time the storm started. And this verse um, speaks everything about last year and what happened. Um, so many times in 2018, I was like, Jesus, why are you asleep in the storm? When are you going to get up and rebuke these waves? Please get up. Please wake up. Jesus, please wake up. I said it so many times. Does the storm just come? Because that is the normal nature of things. Does the storm come to clear the sky and to cleanse the shore? Does the storm come to cause us to trust him more? Does the storm come to help us rely on him? Does the storm come so that he can calm it, calm it and show us he is great? I have no clear answers to those questions, maybe. But I do know that the storm comes even when we're in the boat with Jesus. And I also know that sometimes it feels like he's sleeping in the storm. But I also know that when he wakes and when he speaks to the winds and waves, they obey him. They obey his voice. I know this because I've experienced it. Around sometime in December, Jesus got up in our boat and he spoke to ICC storm and it was stilled. 2019 has a few waves as well, but it's nothing on the storm of 2018. It's gone. His hand alone has delivered us. In December, we received word that ICC would be able to be registered against all odds. We were before that given a 0.5% chance of registration. Suddenly, overnight, Jesus got up and he spoke to that storm and that 99.5% possibility became true in order to bring life and hope to children with disabilities. As a result, my faith and trust in Jesus and his authority has grown, and I know that winds and waves obey him. If I had not been on that journey, would I know how much authority he had? Would I know his delivering power? How blessed am I to have lived through that adversity? How blessed am I to know that he is good and that he has authority and that he can command a storm. And I know that in this world we will have trouble, but we will also have deep, deep, deep peace and confidence when we abide in him and when we find joy in the storm and when we dream his dreams for the future. Before I close today, I really want to tell you a story of one of my favorite young men, a young man who's changed my life, a young man whose story has been woven through also with incredible suffering and joy. I first met young Xiao Shu in 2004, when I first took a short-term team to the Hanyang Welfare Centre. 
At that time, he was a teenager with cerebral palsy and the biggest smile you've ever seen. Uh, he loved the teams coming into his world and he would follow us around, whatever we did. Later, when we moved to Hanyang and set up the project, he would help our staff with fix fixing things like wheelchairs and, and carpentry things. It was hard for him with his disability um, that it, it affects his motor function. But he understood the workings of wheelchairs and equipment like an engineer's mind would. And he'd work out how to adapt things and make things work. When the re renovation teams came to Hanyang in the early days, he would follow the men around and help them. Um, he had an amazing way of communicating without words because his language isn't clear. And he communicated with people deeply. Everyone loved him. He became very famous across the world um, in ICC. But around 2011, everything changed for Xiao Shu. He became unbalanced and fell over a few times. And then suddenly, almost overnight, he was no longer able to walk or move his limbs to feed himself. And he became de completely dependent on everything, for, on others for everything. And he was heartbroken. There was a lot of tears and anguish. On some nights he cried all night as he grieved the loss of his mobility and his independence. Through all of this, none of his mental capacity was changed, but everything physically changed for him and he was in so much grief. Over the following months, Xiaoxu's caregivers and brothers in the center adapted to his needs and comforted him. He needed a special wheelchair, he needed a special bed, he needed special food. He needed special help to eat and he needed a special shower to, um, chair to shower in. All this was provided to him. As, we received the as he received the love and care of his community, he began to smile again and often. And his smile was the same as ever. And, it was, and again, he was connecting with the world around him with charisma and connection just from his bed or from his chair. If you met Xiao Shu today, you would first notice that smile and you would notice his connection to his caregivers and to the boys in his home. He is, cared, he is cared for richly and deeply in a community of boys and caregivers who understand his every single need and are so tender towards him. Recently at Xiao Shu's individualized planning meeting, he and, the, he and the team rejoiced how he had friends from all over the world who sent him things and came and visited him. And they talked about his incredible sense of humor. He is nestled in an international community of love. Every time I go and see him, he smiles from ear to ear. He's so grateful to every minute I give to him. He always laughs at our jokes. We all love him so deeply. And he teaches me to how to look for what I have and not what I don't have. He has so little yet he gives so much to others. Xiao Shu is one of the nicest and richest human beings I have know the privilege of knowing. And he's made me richer just knowing him. And I know that Jeff and Dai's lives have been changed by him as well. They have a very, very special friendship with Xiao Shu. On his 30th birthday this year, it was my privilege to feed him his birthday cake. Um, there is no moment there is no moment that tops that moment when I fed him his birthday cake. But most of all, important of all, Xiao Xu has taught me much about joy and suffering and how to hold joy and peace in the middle of loss, suffering and pain. 
how to love even when you have so little to give. And he's taught me in his weakness and dependency about inner peace and contentment. He has been through such hard times that I can't even imagine. But this boy is so, so happy. Happy with a deep joy, peace and happiness that oozes out of him. I'd love you to meet him. Love and suffering flow together. And it is children like Shao Shu, these broken vessels of love, that have shown me who Jesus is, his richness and his love. We have a video for you today. Um, Jeff so kindly put this together. It's current images of our children and their, their staff and their loving relationships. And within there, you'll see a few clips of Xiao Shu. He's the fellow with his, um, he's with a male keg over there. So let's take a look at that video. Are we good? Yeah. Come in. We'll see if we can get that working. <laughs> While we're waiting, I'll, I'll tell you another um, beautiful story that happened just after that birthday party. I got a WeChat message. WeChat is like Facebook and WhatsApp. In it's what they use in China. And I got a WeChat message from a young lady in America. And um, her name is Serena now. And originally, when I first met Serena, her name was Yang Dong. And I met her at the same time as I met Xiao Shu. And I met her in when I first took teams to the Hanyang Welfare Center as well. And this little girl, she was six years old. And she was sitting on a bench in this courtyard of that was just so, so very chaotic. And Yang Dong was sitting there and she was silent. She'd just been abandoned, six years of old. All her hair had been shaved off. And I was told by the staff, she doesn't understand. She doesn't understand anything. And I went to meet Yang Dong and I discovered that she had spina bifida. And I thought to myself, I'm not sure that she doesn't understand what's going on. I think she's just traumatized. And this little girl... Um, we observed her toes um, that time were blackened with um, frostbite. It was January. And we spoke to the leaders and we said, um, we weren't living in Hanyang at that time. We spoke to the leaders of the welfare centre and we said, this little girl, we're very worried she'll get septicemia and die if she doesn't get medical treatment. Can we take her to hospital? They agreed to that and we took Yang Dong to the hospital. All the while, she still didn't speak. She still was unable to speak. And as we took her into the hospital, she cried. She didn't want to be there. And 
we had to call a caregiver. We had to find a caregiver to find to look after her, and a caregiver came and took care of her, and we we admitted her to hospital. She started the treatment, and we went back to Changsha where we were living. Um, she still hadn't spoken a word to us. Three days later, we came back, and this little girl was sitting in the bed with the granny who we'd hired to to care for her, and she was speaking and playing and interacting for the first time. We saw this again. So so much was her trauma of being abandoned. She came out of hospital um, uh, a few weeks later. Uh, we moved to Hanyang. We started giving her um, education. She was so clever. She was flourishing and growing by this point and just had changed so much. And we, we got Yang Dong. She was our first child to go to public school. Um, she used a wheelchair. Each day she would have to pull herself up the stairwells in the school because they don't have schools on the first floor and she was thriving. And in China, for an orphan child, if you once you get to 14, that's the end of your opportunity to be adopted. And so we knew this little girl had so much potential, so we advocated in America heavily for ado her adoption. And at the age of 13 years and two, two weeks off her 14th birthday, a family came and adopted her. They'd been moved by a call to look after the abandoned and the needy and they came and they took this little girl, Yang Dong, and they took her back to the US. And two weeks ago, she contacted me and said, would you like a video call? And I went on this video call with this girl and she, uh, this young lady now called Serena. She is now, um, how old is she now? She's 20 odd. And more than that and she's just finishing high school and she's heading off to college she's moving in um, and she's going into college with a friend she's bought a car with special adjustments to drive in um, in America and her life has been completely transformed by um, the love she was given by ICC but also by the love of a family uh, yeah looks like we're ready to go That's Shu. Yeah. There's that smile.
very excited about his birthday cake. <laughs> so there's some images um, of our beautiful children. Missions work, disadvantaged children, hard times, but a very happy Kyla. He meets us in our pain. He meets us in our suffering. And when we follow him to hard places, he gives us joy, peace, and love beyond measure that cannot be shaken. I would not exchange my life for one for the world. I would not exchange my life for the world. The deep peace and joy I have found in the hard place is too great. If you'd like to learn more about ICC today, we're going to have a table at the back there. Uh, Jeff and I will be there, and I'll try to be there as well. And we want to invite people to sponsor a child, to participate in a walk the wall, to advocate for our organisation. ICC cares for children and young adults with disabilities. These kids have high needs. We thank you for joining with us in helping them. If you're part of this church, you're already supporting. You've heard that this morning. And I want to take this opportunity to thank you um, so deeply for allowing me to be in China uh, because your gifts each month allow me to be there. And I know that how privileged I am to be there with these kids. Uh, thank you for supporting. Because of your gifts, I can live there. And thank you also for supporting Jeff and I. Um, I don't know how much you know about um, what they do, but Jeff's role in China is to support us, the workers, to stand alongside us and to strengthen our arms. And so as you strengthen him and come around him, he comes and he strengthens us. And that is invaluable, invaluable. Um, he is our pastor. Jeff is our pastor. And we value him so greatly. So thank you for being his sending church as well. Thank you. I bless you today to know the happiness and the joy that comes from walking with God in obedience, even into hard places where suffering abounds, but where love, tenderness and life is birthed and true joy is known. Thank you.